Hello and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today we're going to be talking about introducing new players to the group and some things that you can do to help make that transition a little bit easier. My name is Jerry, aka Frieden. And I'm Jared, aka DMF. And today we are talking our intro sessions for newbies. We're not only going to be helping you get tips and tricks for going out and finding players to join your groups, but also if you wind up with somebody who's never actually played any of the games before, what you can do to help make that transition a successful one, help integrate them into your game group, and, you know, kind of spread the love of the game. Uh, we all, me and my old game group always used to joke that gaming was kind of like a cult, and the number one rule was spread the cult. Now I know that with the some of the negative views of D&D that popped up in years past, it's a little ironic saying it that way, but it did very much feel like one of our top responsibilities as gamers was to show people what the game was all about and bring people in that were interested in giving it a legitimate try and let them make their own decisions on their own opinions. Most people tend to wind up playing the games and enjoying them. Yeah, pull back the curtain, basically. Yeah, so they can see what's going on. So the first step for bringing in new players is finding them. Now, we did come to a couple of different options. There's good ones, bad ones, um, but these are some of the predominant ones that come up. Your first source for new players is old players. Uh, not only players maybe that you used to play with, if you have a spot at your game group that you want to fill, you may be able to reach out to somebody like, hey, you used to play with us, you interested in joining again, we got space open. Or you may be talking with somebody, you mentioned that you play D&D, I get a pretty common response of, oh, yeah, I used to play back in the day. Or, oh, I don't have a group, but I'd love to play. It's those things when we were talking about first setting up a game group. Once you've got a group going, it's easy to find people. And a huge source of those are the people that used to play, but just don't have a group right now and are looking for something. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, but, like, just get the wheel rolling. You know, like, once it's going, once you have the game going, once you have a group going, Big or small, you you if you build it, they will come. So get and it started. The very popular response to we're playing D and D is people that say, "Oh, I used to play that." Another very very popular response is, "You know, I never got a chance to play." There's a lot of people out there that are curious and they've heard about it, or they've seen it depicted somewhere in media, or they've heard people talking about it, or they're just interested because of you know movies like Lord of the Rings or other successful fantasy franchise. Uh, <laughs> actually, I think Harry Potter would also yeah. have gotten some popularity yeah. on that. But people see that and they're, and they're like, well, I kind of want to give it a try. Like, I understand that it's kind of like that. I liked those movies or I like reading Game of Thrones. I think Game of Thrones might have been the other popular franchise that I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but I've never had a chance to try. You know, and those people can often come in with a lot of new perspectives. They're not bogged down in old ideas of how it, how it used to be or how they always played it. So they can bring in some really fresh perspective and can really help liven up a table. Yeah, I, th I love bringing in new players. You know, people that have never played before, you know, the more curious they were prior, the better. Uh, people that have never even heard of it, great. But you can always get this really interesting uh, point of view from people that have never played before. And you can also, you can sometimes get a good idea of who might be willing to try. Um, you know, if you see somebody reading like a fantasy novel, 
or something. Um, if they mention that they used to be involved in theater, because theater people tend, I'm saying this as a theater person myself, but theater people tend to love role playing because it's a chance to kind of stretch those muscles and play a role and do something and have fun with being somebody you're not, which is something that appeals to theater people. Yeah. Well, I mean, role playing is acting. theater person myself. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's options there to just kind of watch for them, give them a chance. And even if, if somebody says that they're interested and you don't have a seat, file it away in the back of your mind. And next time a seat comes up, maybe you can bring it up. And we're going to be talking in a moment about how to offer somebody to join the group or how specifically to kind of extend that invitation. Um, so just remember that because maybe later on down the line, they might have a chance or schedules might line up and you got a shot to show them what the world's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one we found is for apps and online tools for bringing people together. And you were doing the research on this. You are much more on using the web to connect with people. So why don't you talk about some of the options that are available for online finding players? Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, it depends on what kind of system you're looking for specifically, but you know, I was kind of just quickly looking around like, you know, on Dungeons and Dragons again, you know, one of the, the, the biggest system out there. So obviously going to be a little easier to find people, but you know, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, wizards of the coast, they have, um, a, a search engine right on their website to find people uh, that are doing the the adventure league which is like the official quote-unquote D game that's run at uh, local game stores and stuff but that'd be a really easy way i mean other than just going to a game shop and trying to like recruit or pin up a note on the wall or something like that but you can you know put it pop in your zip code it'll tell you the like the top 10 nearest uh games in the area that are part of the adventure league so that's a quick and easy uh way to do it Another one is meetups.com. They, you can uh, put in your, again, put in your zip code, put in a, a maximum radius of up to, I think a hundred miles, but you can narrow it down 25, 50, 7,500 miles and just search in a radius of any kind of groups or other people looking for, you know, like topics. One of them is Dungeons, again, Dungeons and Dragons has its own like subcategory on that page. Uh, finally, we did see that there was a Kickstarter a few years ago and it seems to be up and running for a phone app. That I'm sure you can probably run on your computer as well somehow, um, but it is called Game Finder, and that's without the E uh, after the D in Finder. So G A M E F I N D R dot co dot co. Um, that's the the direct website. I'm sure you. I'm pretty sure I saw the link for Google Play, so you could just find that app on Google Play, and also there was um, a link for whatever the iPhone Mac Apple Store. Yeah, the Apple Store. Thank you. So yeah, on Apple store or uh, Google play, you can find that app, you know, check that out and find, you know, again, local people looking to hook up and play some D and D with some other people or other games. I mean, game finder ones and uh, system specific, uh, again, also, uh, some other ones, especially if you're into doing VTT or virtual tabletop, you know, you can go to roll 20.net and find people on that want to play, you know, and are looking for groups or running groups and looking for players. Uh, on Roll20.net, they have a forum. Also, uh, D20 Pro has in their forum section uh, uh, area for people looking to fill seats and or run games. So there is definitely a lot of options out there on the internet, and I'm sure there's plenty more. Not to mention, you could just go on Facebook and put up some stuff. There's different groups on there, like I'm in uh, the... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition game group and the uh, advanced Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, group and the 
DMs only game group. You know, you can go into one of those groups and just say, hey, I live in this area. I, does anyone know, you know, about a free available seat or does anyone want to hook up and get a game going? Uh, I believe Reddit has an entire subreddit just dedicated to looking for games. Yeah. Uh, I know RPG Net forums used to have them. There's plenty of, of websites online. And of course, you know, you mentioned, um, and we actually didn't actually put this on our, our outline for the show, but posting in game shops. Yep. Going to your game shop, if they have a notice or a bulletin board, which a lot of them do, putting that up, or just asking the staff, hey, do you know if anybody's looking for a game? Because I can guarantee you a lot of stores are going to have people that are in like, hey, do you know of any games going on? Do you have any games that you run that people run here? And yeah. you're going to be able to find people. You know, they'll be, they're out there. You can find them. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening to our podcast, you're most likely a game master or a dungeon master yourself. So if you don't have a group and you have a local game store, ask if you can run one at the store, you know, put up a little sign up sheet and get a few players in there, you know, boom. So once you've found the player, you, you then have to move to actually connecting them with your group to, as we put it, offer a seat. Now, the first big option is I have on the notes is NBD. No big deal. And that's for generally with somebody like, you know, like you used to play with, or if they're curious, or you already know that this is a good person, you can just go like, Hey, I got a seat open. You want to, you want to join our game? If they say no. Okay. No problem. If they say yes. Okay, great. You know, but either way, no big deal. Just go offer it, lay it out there. You want it. It's yours. If you're interacting with people that you don't know so well, you know, maybe it's like somebody, well, they work in a different department at work. I only really see them in the break room. Like I know that they're interested in playing, but I don't really know them. Um, or if you're meeting somebody online, there's a couple of options there to kind of find out if this person is going to be a good addition to the game group before you actually sit down at the table with them. Um, the concept of the interview, let's get together for lunch, talk games, and both parties should come to that agreeing that either party can back out without having to give any sort of reason. Like we're going to have lunch. We're going to talk. And you may decide that, that I really want to do a deep immersive role playing. And you sound like you're doing a lot of hack and slash, not really my thing. I'm all set. Or it could be, you know, well, our group does a lot of fantasy gaming and you sound like all that you've done is sci-fi and you made a couple of comments that made me think that like you're not really into fantasy so i don't know if it's really going to work out because we, we have some people who are really hardcore yeah i mean you it's all about finding the right fit so it's going to be important you know if and it, i mean it sounds like you're kind of you know it's at first you know like hearing it sounds almost like nitpicky but it's really true like if you really just want to do sci-fi and they really just want to do fantasy it's not going to work Right. Like someone's going to, you know, someone might be willing to initially like bite the bullet. Like, okay, I really like sci-fi, but if you only do fantasy, I guess I could do some fantasy. But if you really don't like fantasy, you really just like sci-fi, you're only going to get like a couple games. And then you're going to be like, you know what? I just, uh, I don't know. It's just not I don't my cup of tea. It's, it's a waste of my time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'd rather be home reading a sci-fi novel or, you know, watching Star Wars for the 37,000th time than playing this fantasy yeah. game and that's not you know saying there's anything wrong with that it's just saying like it's not the right fit and that could also benefit you know down the road like let's say you have a group that's playing all fantasy and the one guy that does sci-fi and it's not going to work out well maybe then the sci-fi guy will talk to the guy he knows from the fantasy group and like hey i want to get a sci-fi game together 
part of the fantasy group and you got two guys who are like, hey, I just love gaming in general. Yeah, I'd love I'd love to do a Star Wars game. I've never done anything like that. I want to check it out. And then you can kind of use just that gaming network mm-hmm. to expand your player base. Yeah, and that's actually uh, an important one going back to the finding players is the whole networking thing. Because, I mean, I know we've mentioned, like, you know, old players, curious players. But, I mean, like, friends of friends. Like, yeah. you know, like, that's how, you know, David and Ashley became part of the Dark Hounds group was, you know, I went and played a random game with another mutual friend. They happened to be there. We met. I was like, hey, I really enjoy your play style. You know, like, would you be interested in jumping in this game I'm starting up? Yeah. And I have... I know an entire group of like five or six gamers of which I've only played a game with one of them, but I know that the rest of the game is going on, which I actually know of because I work with one of the people that I've never gamed with. It was like, oh yeah, I have a weekly D and D or Pathfinder in this case. I have a weekly Pathfinder game that's going on. You know, here's the people that are playing. I'm like, oh, you know, it's good to know. You know, at least that there are other people, there are other groups and games going on and we can swap stories about the games. And maybe at some point it'll be like, oh, I need an extra person. I can't make it, but I know somebody else in my group who's looking for a game that's and they've got that slot free. Yep. So you can, you can swap gamers there, um, which swapping around also comes into play with the concept of the trial shot. Yes. Um, we had some success with this in some of my old groups and which you, invite somebody to play a one shot. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing a campaign yet. We'll just do a one shot with a new person. This lets you see how do they fit with my group? What is their actual play style? Because if you go up to a player and like, Oh, you play D and D. Well, what's your play style? They might go like, um, I like fighters and I usually am a human, but they're not going to say like, well, I get pretty deep into the character role-playing side. The mechanics are generally kind of put on a back burner so that we can develop the characters and build them up. Although we do 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 the occasional, you know, big battle scene. Yeah, most players aren't self-aware enough, or especially if they're not DMs themselves, to be able to catalog themselves into like a player type, you know, right. which we've discussed. You know, there's two parts, you know, you know, early on in our, our podcast, you know, player types one and two. Where to be like, okay, well, I'm more of a storytelling slash role-playing player. You know, like, I like to help develop and move the story along, but I also like lots of opportunities. Or, you know, I'm an actor slash storyteller, I guess is actually the the, the the terms used, you know. So, I like, you know, it's just the storytelling aspect of helping the DM tell the story and moving things along. And I also like, you know, lots of role-playing opportunities where I get to act as my character. Or, you know, or whatever the case may be, most players, like you said, are going to be like, well, I prefer this. I like to play that, you know, yeah, you know, and some people will be so completely oblivious to what they actually do compared to what they think they do. Like, well, I'm really big into role playing. You know, I really like, you know, like role playing a lot. And then you get to the table and they're all mechanics and hack and slash and minimax optimizing. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they think one thing because there's been a couple times where they did a you know, a few seconds of role playing and they're, you know, or they're thinking of role playing in a different dynamic than you are. You know, like some people might be thinking like role playing to the level of like where they're damn near LARPing at the table. You know what I mean? Right. And other people might be thinking of role playing as like, well, I, I, I like I to narr- character twice a session. Yeah. Or, or I narrate what my character is doing. Oh, like, you know, again, from like a third person narrative kind of, you know, silly. Well, I, you know, I'm going to have, you know, uh, Ostrich go in here and then Ostrich's going to do this. And then Ostrich, 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 always talking in third person, 
But since they're describing what they're doing on a play-by-play, some people might, you know, think of that. I mean, I know I've met, you know, and played with someone that was like, oh yeah, well, I'm role-playing. I'm like, no, you're, you're giving me play-by-plays. You're, you're being very specific about what you're doing, but you're not really role-playing because you're not talking as your character. You're just giving me a play-by-play of what they're doing. Yeah, or you see a player who's like, oh yeah, I'm into role-playing because they give a two, three-page backstory, but none of it ever comes into play in the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. None of oh. it actually means anything. Or they could yep. say, you know, well, I'm really into, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm a combat person. You know, I, I'm really into, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a hack, kind of a hack and slash player. But then you find out that they actually do a fair share of role playing. Like they misrepresented themselves in, in my opinion, in a more positive light. You know, like, oh, I'm really into hack and slash. If someone told me they're like, oh, I'm more of a hack and slash. I'd be like, eh, I mean, that's not really our play style. But if you didn't just instantly judge them and gave them that trial, you might like, they actually do quite a bit of role playing. You know, they're actually a really good player. Because we we did one specific instance of the trial one shot that I remember, uh, it was our first time meeting the person, and we came in. We did it. We did a one shot, which gave the players a ch- the players that were there for it. It was just a couple of us a chance to try something new and mess around a bit. And when we first met this guy, we were a little apprehensive. We're like, like I don't know how he's gonna work out, but it was like we're we're gonna play the game and give it a shot. And we got into that and like like some of the comments he made, like we're just busting out laughing and he's complimenting what we're, what we're doing. Like he's working as part of the team. He's really fitting in, you know, we're playing off of each other to develop the character and in game. And it was just like, if I just sat down and talked with this guy, I'm not sure I would have invited him, but we played that game. We're like, we need him in the group. Yeah. So I, I love the idea of the, the trial game. I definitely think that's one of those things like depending on what kind of situations arise in the future, I'd like to use it. Like I like the idea of the like doing the interview and the trial, like like looking at it from like a hiring an employee kind of aspect. Like, let me do the interview. Let's sit down and chat about what's going on. You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me a little bit about like, you know, your tell me tell me about one of your favorite characters. Tell me about like one of your favorite role playing moments. Tell me about, you know, tell me about the time that you felt like you broke the game. Tell me about one of your worst experiences. You know, have like that little back and forth, getting and, a feel for them, and then actually put drop them into the scenario of like, let's see how you perform on the job. <laughs> you know, and then go through the trial and do a little one shot. And then after the, you know, they're like, you're hired. Love it. <laughs> and keep in mind for the, for the concept of the, of the interview, um, it should also be the player is also vetting the group. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like what it's, type of games do you like to ways. run? How large is your group? How often do you meet? How long do you play for? Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff just to prevent some of that regret. If they may be joining the wrong group. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, they don't have to just fit well in your opinion, but they have to want to be there and feel like, you know, and enjoy the group as well. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a double, uh, you know, a two edged thing, which again, I think, you know, if, I mean, being someone that does interviews and does hire people, you know, I feel that that not everyone realizes it, but like as part of the actual interview process for hiring for a job, like it does go that way, like, you know, or it should go kind of that way. Like, I know that I personally tend to like, well, just so you know, these are some of the things that are going on here. Like, I want you to know what you're getting into also what you can expect. I mean, I mean, there's different uh, expectation levels from between hiring an employee and, you know, trying to find a a good player in your group, good player in your group. You want to make sure that they're going to enjoy themselves and have fun. You know, you know, you're hiring an employee. You want to kind of let them know some of the expectations that will be on them to perform their duties. And, you know, what kind of like, like, uh, uh, what kind of bar they're going to be held to, but 
it's still a, it's a back and forth like both sides need to kind of you know, have you know be able to feel each other out a little bit there so once you've found your player you figured out that they're going to be a good fit and bring bring them in with an experienced player it's usually not much of an issue it's it's kind of a plug and play thing they'll get in we want to take the rest of the time to kind of talk about bringing in new players this is somebody who has not played has not done any role playing not just like not experienced with the system i mean like which die is which yeah um just because there are some special considerations and again we're gonna be we're, we're going to be talking about this a lot in the frame of reference of dungeons and dragons fifth edition because it is so popular it is it has so many people and also because it's the game we play like right now right now all of our games are fifth edition dungeons and dragons yeah we may be picking up some others in the future and we definitely are probably going to do one shots here and there of different systems mm -hmm. but dnd 5e is is the game of the moment yeah as it were um so before the game um starts it's really useful with a new player who's never played to help them build their character outside of the pressures of a game session yeah and this isn't hey show up early and we'll make your character it's we're playing on Saturday. Why don't you come over Tuesday night? Mm -hmm. We'll get your character built up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that way they, there's no pressure on them to like, everybody's waiting on you and you still have to pick what your background is. It's not to say that they can't come over early that day, but if it's going to be one of those, like come over early that day, it's going to be like, okay, well the game starts at five. What are you doing this Saturday? Why don't you come over around noon? We'll hang out. We'll build your character, but not like a come over, you know, a 45 minutes early and build the character. Cause that's yeah. going to be pressure. But if you can give them like, uh, like several hours of hanging out work, you know, relaxed environment, build the character. That's perfectly fine too. And that'll also help alleviate the pressure. So they're not held up against players who can like, Oh, you need to make a new character and are done in 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Plus, I also like I the the one reason that I do prefer or I wouldn't say prefer, but the one the I kind of like the idea of doing it before the game, you know, hours before, but also like it's all still in their head. Like they've been thinking about this all day instead of like, OK, well, four days ago I made this character like, OK, well, what's tell me about your character? Uh, I don't remember. Hang on. Let me get my character sheet. Uh, Oh, yeah. Like I do this and I do that. Well, no, no, no. no. Tell me about your character, which. Yeah, that's actually because that's something we brought up. Like, I like to start building a new character with the players by putting away the dice, push the books aside, tell me about your character. What's the type of character do you want to play? Are they smart? Are they strong? Are they fast? You know, do they do they live by their wits? Do they live by their muscle? Are they a nice person? Do they get angry easily? You know, and you can set these questions, you know, so even though the person you're talking to just takes it as a question of like, so does your person like follow the rules or do they like to do their own thing? You know that you're asking, okay, are we looking more towards the lawful or chaotic spectrum? And the new player doesn't realize that they're actually answering questions, about what could be mechanics later on? They're just, okay, this is kind of what I want to do. This is what the character wants to be like. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great way to go about it. Um, narrowing it down, you know, for for D and D, like magic, magic's really powerful, but it's extra stuff you'd have to learn. You know, are you interested in, like, 
doing magic like I want to be primarily doing magic. I want to not have to worry about magic. I want magic to have some magic, but not really be a main focus. You know, yeah, and I have, I have such mixed, re- you know, feelings about like new players playing like uh, magic users, you know, magic users, not like half casters, fine, but like full casters. And that I would never, if they, that's what they want to play, then by all, by God, play it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want them to play what they're going to enjoy playing. Someone might walk in and like, I want to be Gandalf. Yeah. And that, that, that has happened. That will happen. It's going to happen. But, like you know especially you know in, in dungeons and dragons even though fifth edition is much more streamlined than previous editions like it is it's an extra piece of work there's extra bookkeeping involved there's extra things that you need to know i mean some of the spellcasters are a little bit easier than others wizards are definitely the more bookkeepy one for obvious reasons because they're kind of bookkeepers um but there's so much more for them to know and have to remember at all times. And I just feel like it's, it's extra pressure on them. And while some players that's going to be perfectly fine and they're the kind of person that can handle that. I've dealt with a lot of players that like they're, I wouldn't say struggling, but like they're, they're doing their best to try to keep a foothold on the generic rules. And you know, like even like a, a champion fighter, which is in my opinion, one of the easiest classes that there is. Cause like, Oh, well my crit improved. Well, great. That's my ability. Um, they're, just trying to keep a handle on that because they're also learning the system, not just their class. So yep. you start adding in all the extra bookkeeping for, you know, full casters and it's, it's just an extra step. I mean, I say that as kind of like, uh, you know, and with an asterisk, cause again, like if that's what they want to play by Jesus, let them play that. But if you can kind of be like, well, be aware you're jumping into the deep end. Yeah. I just want you to know that. I mean, this is going to be one of the more, like if I had to assign difficulties of classes, this is going to be the one of the advanced classes. You know, we have easy classes, we have medium classes, and we have advanced classes. This is the advanced class, so I wanted to let you know that what you're jumping into. And then again, it could be really cool to have someone who's like gets up to like Wizard three and like I just can't handle this. All right, you can multi class to fighter. Your guy wanted to be a wizard, couldn't do it. Yep, just not quite cut out for the job. So he keeps like he's got a little bit of magic because he used to do that, but now he's learned how to fight. Yeah, and definitely a great role playing, you know, aspect. You know, some nice story and fluff there. I mean, I definitely dig that. I like. I. I mean, I've said it before. I love characters that aren't built to be min maxed or be powerful because they have a lot more. You know, like flaws are what make characters interesting. So being a wizard three and then like, uh, you know, multi classing over to like barbarian, like. Uh, you wouldn't normally see that, but that's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, I just, there's, there's so many opportunities. It's just one of those, like I had, I have to say that every time we talk about making new, bringing in new players, I always like, Oh, full casters or I'm hesitant because I've had some bad experiences. And also like, if they're not sure, there are some options where like, well, magic will come in later. Like you could play a fighter and then later become an Eldritch Knight Yeah, and say like, okay, I like the fighter stuff, but I want to give magic a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a really good class. Cause again, fighter is kind of the class that I would atypically kind of go to for a new player. Anyway, like if, if they were like, you pick one for me, I absolutely do not know what to play. And I want you to pick me something. I would still want to push them towards picking something themselves. Yeah. But I would, you know, if I were to force my hand were forced, I would say fighter, just play as streamlined I, a class as possible. But then, yeah, they have a few levels to learn, you know, to go through tutorial mode basically. Yeah. And then they can start maybe learning some spells if they want to go Eldritch Knight. If I had somebody who said that they did, like, oh, no, you pick something for me, I would break it down into, okay, X or Y. Do you want this or this? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's like, okay, do you want someone who's, you know, strong or, you know, or, or, de- or fast? Like, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take fast. Okay. Do you want somebody who's going to be like melee or ranged? You know, so they're not big choices to pick, but then it's like, yeah, okay, you want someone who's fast range. Okay. Try a ranger. You want someone who's, who's strong, you know, powerful, tough. Then here, try the barbarian. You know? mm-hmm. So you're still, you're still choosing. You're just, the choices are being presented in a way that that player can understand. Yeah, absolutely. Again, like I just, I think fighter is the most streamlined of all the classes. Like barbarians, obviously very simple, but you know, there are some rage mechanics to deal with. Yeah. Rogue is very simple, but there's some sneak attacks to, uh, to, 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 you know, take into account. Fighter is fighter all the time. You know what I mean? Fighter doesn't have special, like, well, sometimes I rage and when I rage, I can do this, but then there are these consequences and in rogue, I have to make sure that this, this, or this is in play in order for this to work. Fighter is just the fighter. You know what I mean? Like I hit things with something and they die. <laughs> so they're, they're a relatively new player playing a barbarian. And at one point we're like, okay, at the start of every round, you should ask yourself one, am I raging? If the answer is no, your next question should be, should I be raging? <laughs> and if the answer is still no, then you might want to be considering a different class. Yeah. And again, I know it's a, I'm a little mini tangent, but we're like with the rogue sneak attack thing in previous editions of what you'd literally had to sneak attack in fifth edition. You're not actually, I mean, it's called sneak attack, yeah. but really it's more of like an, op- like, and they obviously couldn't use this term because it's for something else, but it's more of an opportunity attack. Like as long as you have, you know, as long as your enemy has another enemy in melee with them, you can sneak attack them. If you have advantage for any reason, you can sneak attack them. And just you don't have to be hidden, pop out of the shadows, stab them in the back, and then turn around and hide in the shadows again. But because it's called sneak attack, and in previous editions it was very much to the letter sneak attack, some people still think you need to have surprise on them or have been hiding. We just played a game recently where it was like, well, can I sneak attack them? Well, I mean, yeah, you could. I mean, I guess you could be, um, well, hide for me. And then like, yeah, I guess you can like, no, they're not, there's not really an opportunity to sneak attack right now. But next round, you can sneak attack all you want because people will be in melee. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And with the new players, they'll quickly, you know, realize that, oh, here are the situations where I get sneak attack and I get to roll a lot more dice. Yeah. So I feel like I'm doing more, mm-hmm. which means I want to try to, make those opportunities happen. Yeah. Um, I've had a rogue in one of my games who almost never hid because he was a melee build. And what he would do is, okay, the fighters, the fighters charge in and I go in with them and I'm picking off the ones that they're fighting and we'll, I'll work with one of the fighters and kill the one he's fighting and then move over here with the other fighter and kill the one off the one he's wounded and just kind of very efficiently move from enemy to enemy working that out Mm -hmm. and a new player can pick up on those patterns and see that, okay, this is, this is a good way to do this. And that will give them confidence moving forward because they figured out a way to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, And we've actually, as we're talking here, we've kind of segued into the new player, like new to gaming in general at the game table in game itself. Um, You should help them out to find those patterns, you know, reward them when they're successful. So they, start realizing that this is what they need to do to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely think it's important to do the buddy system. Yes. Yep. Uh, because as a GM, you're going to be running the game. You should get an experienced player 
who is willing to help and wants to help to sit next to the new player. So if the new player has questions, they can ask them. If the new player is not sure where to find something on their sheet, or if they're just like, uh, 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 just freezing up, then the player can help. You do want to be careful that you also make clear to the new player that they're supposed to be helping the person play their character, not playing the character for the new player. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the buddy system is incredibly important so the whole table isn't trying to help or nobody's trying to help because that's usually what will happen. Nobody's trying to help except the GM, the DM, and even then, depending, I mean, it, I'm assuming that you're the DM, so I don't want to say, like, sometimes the DM won't help either because it sounds like I'm, you know, pointing fingers, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, typically, I, in my experience, you know, either the whole table is trying to help or no one's trying to help, so... And more often than not, it's the whole table, which is just going to add to the chaos and confusion. Like, and that's actually the worst case scenario. I'd rather that almost no one at the table is trying to help. So then at least th then I, as the DM can say, okay, this is what you do. Yep. That's fine. If the whole table is trying to help, you're overwhelming that person. Like, it's not to say that anyone's saying anything wrong. It's just that everyone's trying to say something. And typically they're all trying to say either the same thing. So they're all just talking over each other or all they're trying to say different aspects or different pieces of information at the same time, which is just confusing to everyone at the table. So if you have the buddy system, like, look, everybody, you know, Jerry's the person that's helping Ashley and that's it. Nobody else is helping Ashley. Ashley and Jerry are now their buddy, buddy. So if Ashley has a question, they ask Jerry. If Jerry doesn't know, then Jerry will ask me. The whole table does not need to answer. And that's not to say that I don't appreciate that you all want to help. But that's just so that, that we can get through the day without everyone talking over each other and it becoming a madhouse. Also a very useful role for anybody who's working as an assistant GM for you. Yes. Uh, which we've talked about in other episodes. You can use them to help. Yep. Yeah, that would be my instant go-to. You know, if I have someone that's the assistant, quote-unquote, you know, basically in the assistant DM role, that would be part of their set duties would be assisting players with any and all questions, you know. So if there's yep. a new player, then they would automatically be buddied up with them. Uh, if there's already a lot on their plate for the assistant DM, you know, assistant DM for whatever reasons, like maybe you're over, you know, you're utilizing your uh, assistant DM more than I do, you know, maybe you have them running monsters and stuff like that too. Then I would partner them up with somebody else. Yeah. Um, so that way there's not too much on that person's plate. You know, you want to make sure and spread the love. But yeah. I just, I think that that's, oh, it's just chaos. Otherwise. I also think the buddy, sh you should also have an understanding with them that they're going to, assist the player in terms of like okay you're attacking okay you need to roll the d20 they roll okay what did you get now you need to add your proficiency bonus which is here and your strength bonus which is here so and then you get the total and the new player provides that to the dm yeah so really the the buddy is there to help them with the information they don't know but anything they're capable of doing on their own like Telling the DM what the final answer is, they need to do on their own. Mm -hmm. um, which links into the uh, STFU option we have on the notes. Yes. It's also important for people who are helping new players to know when to shut up. Yeah. Don't talk for them. Don't tell them what to do. Do not tell them what to do. Anytime that there's a situation where the player the new player is has the spotlight or it's their turn in combat initiative 
or you're calling on them to try to just get make sure that they're having input at the table, whatever the situation is. Maybe the group's having a discussion, you know, in game, and you want to make sure that their character has a say, or maybe you just want to know what their character is doing. It's whatever said time for whatever said reason. Everyone, shut up. Do not give any options. Do not make any suggestions. I just want to know what naturally comes to their mind. What their, what kind of ideas they have, um, because the one of the best things about having a brand new player at the table is the unexpected. They have such a fresh set of eyes on things that they can come up with things that you never in a million years would have thought of, or would have been toward not anywhere near towards the top of your list of what you know you would have expected. And it also gives you you know so it's it's. It's a nice fresh view is is really what it boils down to. And I don't want to, you know, taint that sample pool, so to speak. So, you know, give them the opportunity to speak and come up with ideas on their own before anyone makes any suggestions or starts, you know, like th putting ideas in their head. If and only if they have absolutely no ideas and you can't seem to pry anything out of them and you don't want to make them too self-conscious, too self-aware, you can't put them on the spot too hard. Cause they'll start, you know, kind of being afraid of being, you know, in the spotlight, so to speak, offer a few options. And also you, you had brought this up in the pre-show. If you, and I'm not going to steal your idea. I'm going to let you go on it. Yeah. Um, but when you were talking about uh, players looking at themselves as a mechanics versus a person. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, with the, with the fresh perspective, the, you know, the, the, what I was talking about in the pre-show was the idea that, if you're new to the game and you don't really know all the rules, you are looking at scenarios, situations and combats from as a person. You're not looking at as, you know, from the uh, the concept or the the aspect of the mechanics of what your character can do. So you're not saying, "Okay, well because I'm a ranger, I can do XYZ." I'm you're looking at the situation of like, "Well, this is the scenario. I'm in a room or I'm at the say I'm at the the top of a hill. Near me is a several barrels of TNT." At the bottom of the hill is the incoming orc raiding party. Now, if you are an experienced player, you know, and I'll obviously say there's much more going on. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, set the scene with, you know, like this is going on and that's going on. And, you know, there's, and there's other scenarios. I'm not trying, I'm highlighting the TNT for the, the aspect of the, the scenario, but let's say there's a trade wagon. Yeah. And among other things, you know, that they're transporting barrels of gunpowder. Right. Yeah. So, if you were an experienced player and you're playing the same character, you might instantly go to, okay, well, I'm a ranger, so I'm going to pull out my magical longbow and start popping these dudes off while I'm at range. I have this ability. I have, I'm going to drop some hunter's mark. I'm going to drop, you know, like I have, you know, hail of arrows. I've got this. I've got that. You know, I have these different mechanics, spells, abilities, you know, at my disposal. You know, if I can get, you know, ask so-and-so to sneak around over here, then maybe we can gain advantage on the situation. And you're looking at from an abilities and mechanics aspect. The, the new player that will not, that will be the furthest from their mind. They're not going to be worried thinking, you know, they're not going to instantly be thinking about the mechanics and abilities that they have. They're going to be looking at the scenario 100% from the aspect of a, you know, themselves or a person's point of view based off the picture that you painted. So the first thing that might come to their mind is the fact that like, okay, I have elevation. There's orcs coming at me. There's a nearby wagon that I know has a barrel of TNT in it. I should just light the barrel of TNT and roll it down the hill and watch it go kaboom. Now that's not to say that the experienced player might not come up with the same idea, but it most likely will not be the first thing that comes to their mind. It could be second, third, fourth, fifth, but it's most likely going to be more towards the fifth, sixth, seventh kind of, you know, aspect in my experience. 
So it's really nice kind of having that perspective, you know, having that at the table. But if the instantly the, you know, the option, the time you give the player, hey, what do you want to do? And everyone starts shouting, pull out your longbow, pull out your magical longbow. You you got arrows of orc slang. Hey, use this. Hey, throw a hunter's mark on it. Hey, use halo arrows. Hey, do this. Hey, do that. Hey, do th- you should, do, you should don't, stealth. Don't worry about it. Just hold your action until they get closer. Yeah. Wait till they get, oh yeah. You're not a, you're not really a ranged ranger. You've got two magical short swords. You should hold your action until they get there and chop them up. Uh, okay. I guess I do that. It's just as a DM, like, and kind of even as a player, I'm trying to move away from this, but the option, and it's a side tangent, but the option of holding your action, mm-hmm. I find it like there are times when it's tactically advantageous to hold and wait. Yes. But in the middle of a fight, it's not something that you feel like you want to do. No, it's not. And I mean, in, in, even in real life, you know, anyone that, you know, does anything with like self-defense or martial arts or anything like that, or they're, you're going to know that it's always advantageous to be proactive and not reactive. Right. So the, the concept of like holding your action is like, you're, I'm waiting to react to something instead of being proactive and taking control of the situation. And that's also, you know, good with new players because once you have, oh, well, you can hold your action, get more information and act at a later time when you know have a better idea what's going on seems really appealing for new players if you don't tell them hey you know you can just hold your action they're going to find something to do and that's when they pull out the barrel of tnt yeah because they don't want to stand around doing nothing yeah i personally think the best way to use the hold action is for i rolled higher than so and so in initiative but this tactic works best if at least on the first round they go first i want the wizard to sleep the majority of the group and then i can start picking off the people that weren't slept whereas if i just go in and start killing people yes it's one less person that he might have been able to sleep but for all i know he uh, he would have slept and that guy wouldn't have slept now i killed this guy who would have been slept and that guy still also isn't slept you know what i mean uh, i mean maybe not the best example since there's no save throw for that particular spell but still those sort of scenarios you know it's you know it's it can be most advantageous if you're not waiting for the enemy to do something but putting yourself in the correct line of order you know in the initiative within the group but again side tangents <laughs> well i think we covered most of what we needed to with you know bringing in new players you know don't don't overwhelm them yeah. give them options um there's a lot of different options for finding new players and if you're working with somebody who's completely new Give them the benefit of doubt. Let them bring in a new perspective. Let them bring the experience they have not playing games into your game. See what fun and cool stuff comes up. Hopefully, give them an enjoyable time because we're all about trying to have fun with the games. It's largely the point of it. Get them to come back and, you know, kind of grow the cult of gaming mm-hmm. and you know, maybe start setting up the seeds for having additional game groups in your area. Maybe new games you can join or you can swap players with and network and just make the whole community more engaging and fun and exciting for everybody. So thank you for joining us for our show today. As always, if you have any comments on today's topics or any stories you'd like to share about how you used it in your game, feel free to get in touch with us. Also, if there's anything you'd like to hear us discuss, let us know. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Game Master Studio. Subscribe for exclusive access to early content and also a few other special surprises and tricks we've been putting up there. 
You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are GMS Studios, uh, available on Facebook for you to like, comment, and subscribe. And we have new episodes coming out every week with more information on running your game. We're posting them on Podbean at GameMasterStudio.Podbean.com through iTunes and available now on YouTube as well. Speaking of YouTube, check out our Darkhounds 360 VR campaign. Watch us play through, use the tips that you see here, and occasionally miss an opportunity. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support. We'll see you the next time that we get back into the studio.